Take your Bible, if you would, please, this morning, and let's go to the book of First Timothy, chapter 4. Hold your place there, and we'll also be turning to Second of Timothy, chapter number 3. And I want to uh, be a, of help and a blessing to you today. I wonder if you've ever heard and become familiar with phrases like, Take up your cross daily. Forsake all that he hath. Crucified with Christ. Live godly, shall suffer persecution. Come out from among them, be a separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Die daily. Are you familiar with those phrases? They're synonymous with Christianity. They're synonymous with being saved. But yet, we don't like being uncomfortable. And we'll do anything in the world to be comfortable. We'll work, we'll save, some will even steal, some even murder, to be comfortable. Do you think it would be possible for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to slide into this philosophy Comfort is synonymous with godliness. I'd like to bring a message today entitled The Comfort Trap. Look in your Bible, if you would, 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And I read for you just two or three verses. And the Bible says in verse 1 of 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. The latter days... The Spirit speaketh expressedly. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of the devil, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Boy, that sounds like a real attractive situation, doesn't it? Paul was telling young Timothy... You need to be very, very cautious about departing from the faith. Well, preacher, I wouldn't do that. How do you handle a seducing spirit? (laughs) What is a seducing spirit? The Bible says that these folks had given heed to seducing spirits. Now, I don't know what a seducing spirit is. I've never seen one. So I looked up the definition for seduce. (laughs) I know what a spirit is. It's a ghost. It's something you can't see. It's uh, 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 dwelling in another mode of existence. Uh, We cannot identify because we abide in a different mode of existence. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit. He is a being. He abides in a different sphere or a different mode of existence. We can't identify with that because we can only identify with what we can see, touch, smell, or what have you. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ to this earth 
that we now can identify with him because he abide or did abide in the same mode of existence. He became flesh, spirit became flesh so that we who are flesh might identify with God. But Paul says that in the latter days, there will be seducing spirits that will tend to try to draw us away from the faith. Is that not so? Is that what your Bible said? Draw us away from the faith. And anytime we give heed to anything that is not godly, it can become doctrines of devils. It did not say the doctrine of the devil. It said doctrines of devils. And uh, I don't know too much about uh, that, but uh, I do see some things happening in Christendom and in churches around the world that I believe the devil would like to happen in this place. And I, as long as I'm alive, are not going to allow it. I'm going to jump and scream and yell and fight. And uh, like somebody said years ago, I'll fight the devil until my fists are gone. And then I'll bite him till my teeth are gone. And then I'll gum that sucker to death. (laughs) There's some things, if we're not careful, seducing spirits will lead us astray gradually, one step at a time. And uh, I don't know about uh, this thing, but I'm reading about terms like uh, contemporary church, uh, emergent church, uh, pop culture, Christianity, hip-hop Christianity. Well, I I want to ask you something. Ain't the old-time religion good enough for us? It was good enough for Paul and Silas. It's good enough for me. It's good enough for my mama and my daddy. It's good enough for me. Now, and I'm going to talk to you about some real, real, real important things. Now, notice 2 Timothy chapter number 3, if you would. I'll help you just a little bit. And you say, preacher, how long are you going to preach? Well, till the ball game's over. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. No. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1. Please look in your Bible. Kids, look in your Bible. This is very important today. The Bible said, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. There's no doubt we're living in very troubling times. We're living in very perilous times. Uh, I don't think many of us know just how bad it is. Here's what's going to happen. Men shall be lovers of themselves. How long did you guys stand in front of a mirror this morning trying to fix your hair? (laughs) I wish some of you had stayed longer. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding you. Covetous. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Have we arrived? Without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Verse 13, but evil men, evil men and seducers. There's that seducers again. Seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I think we're living in the day when we've toned down our Christianity just a dab. 
May I illustrate for some of you? Let me ask you, is alcohol still available? Is alcohol still deadly? How long has it been since you heard a sermon on it? That's good preaching. (laughs) God has not changed. God's message has not changed. God's men have changed. And because God's men have changed, God's members have changed. Because God's members have changed, the church is now called the emerging church. The old has given way to the new. What do we in America know about carrying a cross? What do we in America know about taking up our cross daily? What do we in America know about suffering with him? Uh, We know very little about that, but yet we still are trying our dead level best to be comfortable. Our churches must become seeker friendly. Our churches has got to become people pleasing and crisis centered instead of God centered and God honoring. Cultural Christianity is very deceitful. It is very deceptive. It is deadly, misleading, and blinding. And what has happened, according to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1 and 2, we have been deceived. We have been seduced, if you please, by the world. And the world has moved in and God has moved out. Well, I thought that would be better than that. Are you here? Let me ask you something. Have the movies gotten more holy? Why do they rate movies X, X, X? And then XXXX and then XXXXXXXX. And you go to them. And if I were to preach about it this morning, you'd get mad as a, as a, I don't know what, and threaten never to come back. Mind your own business, you'll say. That's none of your business, you say. But let me ask you something. Has Hollywood got more holy? How long since you heard a sermon on it? Now you can listen to them on radio and television all day long and you'll not hear nothing about Hollywood and about illicit sex, uh, fornication, adultery. You don't... God's word has not changed. It's God's men and God's members have changed. Is that, about, is that right? Yeah. Has uh, the dresses got shorter and the tops got shorter? Yeah. And uh, didn't people used to preach against the way Christians need to dress? Amen. D- didn't they used to do that? Yeah. Heard a sermon on lately? Preacher, just make us comfortable. All we want is just, we want to be comfortable. Don't make us feel uneasy when we come to church now. And if we do, we'll find us another church of our choice. I mean, if you're going to be old fashioned and ridiculous, I, I just, uh, I just thought maybe some of these things might still be important. Amen. Well, I, I, you know, maybe. Have you ever thought about this? The devil never acts like the devil. 
You know, Satan always acts like God. Transform into the angel of light. Is that not so? Did you know, I don't know of one godly Christian who ever intended to backslide. I don't know of one godly church that ever decided to slide back on its standards, its doctrine, and its methodology. What, I ask you, please answer me, what has happened to churches and Christianity? How did they get to where they are today and move from where the Bible says they ought to be? Could it be seducing spirits? Could it be that there's somebody behind the scenes knowing what he's doing and has moved us from point A to where we are today? What would he use? What would he use? First of all. What's one common denominator? If you go to a political rally, a football game at halftime, a church service, or a wedding, what is one common denominator at all those events if it's not music? What moves people more than music. You're right. Amen. Right. What is it that everybody has in this place common? It's music will finally get below the surface and your foot will start tapping. I'm talking about seducing spirits. If you were the devil and you wanted to move in any area, what area would you tap first? And I know if it was a church service, you wouldn't rush in with a full set of drums and folks with paint all over their face, yelling and screaming and breaking guitars. You wouldn't do that. That would not be a seducing spirit. That'd be an idiot. (laughs) I just change one song I just make it almost what it used to be I I would just change a lyric here maybe a beat here maybe a rhythm here I I, I just I just I just slide it in kind of wouldn't you I, I don't want to preach on music today, but let me give you this just a minute. Your focus will determine your footsteps. Amen. How many folk believe that? Your focus, what you're focusing on will determine your footsteps. Now. I know most of you are not raised on a farm. I know most of you don't farm now. I was reading this story and I can identify with it. I used to wonder how my dad could lay that first row off so straight. My dad made a lot of and put a lot of importance on that first row they laid off. Because everything after that first row, that first row determines everything that happens in the rest of the field. Is that not true? Yes, sir. I never did ask my dad how he got that first row so straight. But now I am the happy owner of a tractor with green paint on it. Amen, Brother Tim. 
And you should see some of the rows I have laid off. But it seems like when I start across the field in that tractor, a bird will fly here. A bird will fly there. My neighbor drives down the driveway. Honk, honk, waving at Right? And I heard a wild hogs run across the pasture. And I get to the other end and I look back and I say, dear Lord, did Jim do that? <laughs> but you don't lay a straight furrow by being distracted by everything in the world. The way you lay a straight furrow is you take that John Deere tractor and line that little deal up on the front of the tractor with the post on the other end of the field. And you go toward that post and you keep your eye, your focus on that post. Try it. Yes, there'll be birds flying from everywhere. There'll be three neighbors come by, blow at you while you're doing that. But if you'll keep your eye on that object and don't look back, don't look to the left or right, when you get to the end of the row, it will surprise you what a straight furrow you've plowed. The object of reference determines the row. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. I mean, with the tenacity of a bulldog, to keep this church's focus on Jesus. And not fall into this kind of Christianity that don't cost anything, that don't demand anything, that don't stand for anything, and falls for everything. Excuse me, please, but I believe that that's what God wants. James 1.14 says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. May I say to you today, the, the seducing spirits, the doctrine of the devil, they are out there everywhere and they are baited traps for God's people. That if you will just take the bait, if you will just sign on the dotted line, if you will just go ahead and give in a little bit, uh, you could be happy the rest of your life. What a lie that is. Do you know that bait is very inviting? Bait appears harmless. It appeals to the senses, if you please, to whatever you're trying to catch. I've baited traps that I was wanting to eat off of myself. They look so good. It promises one thing and gives another, if you please. The Bible says, then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When sin is finished, it bringeth forth, remember the word, what was it? Death. You do know that rat poison, 99.5% tasteful and harmless. 99.5% of rat poisoning is absolutely harmless. It's 0.05 that kills you. You didn't know that. 0.05 is what kills you. A fish hook Looks inviting. It looks friendly to the fish. Baited to disguise really what it intends to do. It gives out a 
false impression. It promises life and produces death. Some of this Christianity that they are advertising, blowing in front of all of our faces, looks inviting. It looks like it's thrilling. It looks like it'll fulfill. But I want to share with you, it brings forth death. Christianity, you need to beware of this cultural Christianity. Let me tell you why. It's Christianity without, without some things. Christianity without a biblical Christ. It's Christianity without a biblical conversion. It is Christianity without a biblical confession. It's a Christianity without biblical commitment. It is a Christianity without service, without separation, without soul winning, and without the second coming of Jesus Christ. You take that out of Christianity, you've got nothing left but a sham and a whole lot of comfort of nothing. Christianity don't cost you something that's not worth anything. This kind of Christianity we see blown across our television screens is, tele- is Christianity without remorse, without repentance, without restitution, and without any reward. You know that's a God. How long has it been since you heard an old-fashioned sermon on, on repentance? You can't be saved without repentance. You cannot go to heaven without repentance. The Bible says that you, uh, we are to preach repentance uh, toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to repent. Just tears that an altar is not going to save you. Being sorry you got caught with your hand in a cookie jar is not going to save you. You must come to a place where you're godly, repentant, and sorry before God or what you are. And then God will save you. Well, you don't hear nothing about that anymore. Just come in and sign on a dotted line, cry a few tears and read Romans 10, 13. And that's all there is to it. No, that's not all there is to it. No, that kind of Christianity is not going to fly. It, it, this kind of cultural Christianity is, is uh, Christianity without devotion, without dedication, without duty, and without discipline. Can anybody say amen to that one? Amen, amen, amen. You just think about that now. Some of you folks have no intention of coming back till next Sunday if you feel like it. You wouldn't give a dime to save 10,000 people out of hell. And sing songs, oh, how I love Jesus. Now you tell me what kind of Christianity that is. You say, you don't love me. Yes, I do love you. But this kind of Christianity is alienated from the Bible. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see it anywhere where that Christianity is void of devotion and dedication and duty and discipline. Hey, look, if you want to be what God wants you to be, there's some things you're going to have to cut out of your life yourself. There's going to be some places you're going to decide you're not going to go for God's glory. There's some things you're not going to do because you want to please God with your life and he saved you. That kind of Christianity will work, but that other kind, I'm telling you, is void of what I find in the Bible. What is this new blend of Christianity we see going on all around us? Uh, what is this cultural, this hip-hop, modern-day kind of Christianity we got? Let me define it for you, would you please? And please don't get mad at me yet. Wait till I really say something you don't like to get mad. Don't waste a good get mad on something that's not very important. Get really mad when I get something worthy of getting mad about. Cultural Christianity. Falling into the comfort trap of the hip hop kind of Christianity. Is pursuing the God we want instead of the God that it really is. If our God don't fit our little scheme and our little idea and our little situation. We don't want him. Hey look God don't fit anybody's book. You fit God's book or you don't fit at all. We don't change God to suit us. We ought to change ourselves to suit God. We're not seeker friendly. We're Christ friendly. We want to know what God thinks instead of what everybody else thinks. Can anybody say amen? 
And you say, well, preacher, you don't get a crowd that way. God didn't call us to get a crowd. God called us to be faithful. That's what God called us to do. Oh, yes, this kind of new brand of Christianity that, that don't give and then misses when we have stewardship conferences and don't give the mission. It's wanting God to be more of a gentle Godfather figure than uh, uh, the, and spoils us with the Christmas gifts every Sunday wrapped in packages when we come to church. Dear God, it's sensing the need for God, but on our own terms. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll serve God, but I'm going to do it on my terms. I'll honor God with my life, but I'll do it on my terms. If the music's right and I like it and the preaching's right and I like it, I'll serve God. But if anything crosses me, I quit. That's this new kind and new brand of Christianity we've got. It's uh, wanting the God we have outlined in our Bible. You know, we got favorite verses we outline, uh, underline, you know. And that's the kind of God we want. We don't want the kind of God that calls homosexuality an abomination. We don't want that kind of God that said fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We don't want that kind of God that is a God of judgment and a God of righteousness. We want that God of love and mercy. That's the one we got underlined in our Bible. That's the God we want. That's the God we'll serve. And if it's not that kind of God, it's no God at all. We don't like that God that talks about the tithe. Ain't none of God's business about my money. It's a God relative instead of a God absolute. It's a God that's willing to move the boundaries and the lines and the standards as we see fit. I've had funerals with more noise in it than this. <laughs> I uh, renewed Brother Doug and AJ's vows yesterday, and after 15 years, they were happier than many of you folk look. And two teenage kids. I, I don't say this honest. Listen to me. I don't say this to shame you. I say this to caution us as a church. Amen. That we're not moving the line. Amen. We're not lowering the bar to get people to join. Amen. We're, we're, not, we're not doing away with the standards to get somebody to come in here. Please listen to me. I, this is my heart today. This, this is what I stand for, live for, and will die for. This is not a little sermonette to pacify the little Christianettes to smoke their cigarettes. This is God's word for you today. I warn you as a church, and when I'm off the scene, somebody's going to have to stand up and stand, therefore. Stand, therefore, for this book and for righteousness, for holiness, for the glory of God. Some of you men need to step up and shape up and be leaders in this place. Amen. We haven't mentioned the first Sunday in February, we're going to have a big offering. You say, why ain't you got us ready for it? Why should I have to get you ready for it? We've been done it for 25 years. Some of you thought, well, I guess we ain't going to do it, praise God, this year. No. 
No, we're just going to have a big offering. I'm going to give all the gingers and keep part of mine. He said, I don't want to be a member of a church that takes in big offerings. Well, all you got to do is write for your letter and we'll send it to the church of your choice. We're not cutting the edge and moving the line, lowering the bar. We're not going to do it. You say, well, I'd just be more comfortable. Oh, backsliders ought not to be comfortable. And I work hard at keeping hypocrites from getting that way in this place. I, I just, Carl Hallberg said this, the largest denomination in the Western civilization is cultural, comfortable Christianity. Not Baptist or any of the others. It's this comfort kind of Christianity. It's the brand of Christianity that adjusts to the culture. Styles, methods, and ideas. It changes to suit people instead of changing people to suit God. Well, preacher, I don't know why you have these ridiculous standards at your church. Do you know our standards here are lower than most country clubs in America? You know, you can't join a golf country club in some places and not dress right in the clubhouse. Is that right? We should lower our standards lower than the heathen that chases them little goofs all over the pastor. And you think that our standards are too high? Why, dear Lord. We need to wake up and smell the roses. Now, I don't think we've slipped all the way where we or some have. But I'd like to just help you a little bit. And and maybe don't look at what I'm about to say to point to somebody else with it. What I'm about to say is check your own life. And see maybe if we've slipped just a little bit into this idea of fitting into a culture and modeling our Christianity to suit the culture in which we're in. And you'd be a lot happier if you was more comfortable. Now I've got high dollar padded pews. Man, I've slept on things that's harder than pews. I've tried every way in the world we have here at the church to make you comfortable. Uh, we've got carpet you fall into, and uh, you don't have to walk across rock-strewn parking lots to break your high heels, you ladies. Uh, especially, I'd hate to fall off some of the high heels the ladies are wearing today, wouldn't you? I tell you. If I wore some of the high heels you ladies wear, I'd check in on a parachute, maybe. If you fall off of one, I mean, at least you'd have time to yank the string before you hit the ground. Amen. Now, I know it's a style. It looks good. I'm just having a good time. Amen. And, uh, but I, I'm going to give you three things that I want you to think about. Number one, if our... If we have displaced emotions, number one, you know what God said? The first and great commandment in all of the Bible is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. Is that not so? And the second is like unto the first, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In these contain the whole law. Do you know what Paul said to Timothy? That the love of money. Now there's your counterfeit for the commandment. For the love of money. Do you think maybe now, and I know we're just home folk. If we got 
few visitors this morning. I'm so proud you're here. I'm not talking to you right now. But I'm talking to our members. Do you think it's possible that last week you spent more time devoting your energy to the love of money or to the love of God? Is it possible we give more thought? Is it possible we gave more attention? Is it possible that we showed more adoration for the counterfeit than we did Almighty God. Now the reason that when I have stewardship here, it is not to raise money, it is to sever that relationship that God's people have with a false God and get them back to loving God again. It is not to get your money, I don't want your money. I mean, if I was going to get in trouble with money, I would not do it in a Baptist church. <laughs> Please let me remind you, if I was going to get in trouble with God, it would be getting more money than you've got. I'm not interested in getting at odds with God over the money you have that you should have used to pray a bill with and you didn't, you still got it in your pocket. But this comfortable kind of culture, kind of Christianity, this hip-hop kind of Christianity has been seduced by the evil spirit of the love of money and we've done traded our God for gold. And we're more loyal to silver than we are the Savior. Boy, I'll tell you, when I was praying and working over this, I really thought it would work better. For where your treasure is, there will your what be? Matthew 12 out of the heart flows the issues of life if your treasure has your heart then what's going to come from your heart? Please don't get mad at me. Well, that's all he talks about is money this month, yes. If you don't like that, come back in February. Not mentioned again the whole year. But I just... You say, now preacher, how do I know? Write this down. Follow the money trail. Amen. That's how you know who you love. That's right. That's right. Amen. Follow the money trail. Amen. It's easy. Just take a look in your checkbook. Go to that part where you've been filling in Walmart, 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 Walmart. Logan's, Logan's, Logan's. McDonald's, Wendy's, church. Follow the money trail. And it will identify the possibility now that there might be some hang up in misplaced affections. Does that make sense to you? And you say, well, preacher, how far will we go? I have no idea. Secondly, maybe there might be this possibility. It's 24 after the hour. I'll be done by 25 after the next hour. I'm just kidding. I'm sick or I preach a long time. 
There might be a possibility that maybe we've slid just a little bit into this philosophy of I want to be comfortable more than anything else. If we have misplaced emotions and misplaced devotion. Misplaced devotion. And the Bible says this. It says, wherefore, my beloved brother, flee from idolatry. I think maybe it's possible that there might be a lot of Christians who's living real close to the line. You know, uh, the line of separation. The line of dedication. The line of faithfulness. Many of us are living too close to that line. Because it's a possibility that after a while we come to this philosophy well there's nothing wrong with having things would everybody say amen to that yes sir is there anything wrong with things having you how many of you can't tithe because you got to pay for your things How many of you won't tithe because you want some more things? That's good. How many of you are having nervous breakdowns because your things are breaking down? I'm just saying, I'm not jumping on you. I'm just saying a blind or excessive enjoyment or devotion to anything but God is idolatry. And I know you're going to get mad at me when I say that. But now I want you to know with all of my heart and I believe this. There's nothing wrong with having all the things in the world. The Bible said God will give you the desires of your heart. But I think maybe possibly. Satan does not want us to realize when we've crossed the line, listen now, when we cross that line from grateful enjoyment, giving God the glory for giving it to us, and blind dedication. A lot of difference, just that little line, that little line is the difference between grateful enjoyment to blind, devoted dedication. Like a job. Yeah. Not to be thankful to God to give us a job, but not put God on his shelf Sunday and Wednesday all because we're blindly dedicated to our employer. A hobby, grateful enjoyment to addiction. Hmm? What's the difference between social drinking and alcoholism? Nothing if you move the line. Not one thing if you move the line. But the Bible says telling lies and hypocrisy. That alcoholic still thinks he's a sociable drinker. Come on, say amen. And you think there ain't nothing wrong with taking what's God's because you've moved the line. Yeah, you, you have moved the line. God didn't move it. You moved it. That's right. 
There used to be a time when you knew it was wrong to miss church, but you've moved the line. We have now a cultural kind of Christianity that God only demands is one hour Sunday morning. You move the line. Yes, right. So I, I just, boy, I tell you, I wish I had more liberty in preaching this because it's getting hard. Lowering the bar, changing the standard, rationalizing in your mind, rationalizing the line away. After all, that's Old Testament. Tithing is Old Testament. We just rationalize the line away. There's no line there to begin with. <laughs> we just, thank God we've at liberty. Know anybody like that? Please. Debate is always attractive. But it's deadly. Huh? What does social drinking hurt? Ask an alcoholic. Go downtown under the bridges and ask them how they started. I bet every one of them started with one. You folks this morning who are going to uh, Reformers Unanimous and well, we've got men in our church and ladies in our church can tell you horrifying stories that would just... That as they tell it, you, you just want to break down and weep with them at how that they started with one marijuana cigarette or one beer and and it's wreaked havoc in their life and now they're strongly addicted to rationalizing there was no line. And now you say, Preacher, you don't know what yes I do know what I'm talking about. It is deadly. Are you moving the line? I remember just last evening. I stood before Doug and AJ. I don't know if you remember them or not. Fifteen years ago, I married them in this church. And I looked at Doug and I said, do you remember saying? I, Doug, take the Amy to be my lawful wedded wife I promise to love her cherish her and forsaken all others I will perform the office that a husband owes to his wife until death do us part I said you remember me saying that yes sir I sure do some of you remember me saying that to you Line's still there. Till death do you part. Line's still there. You promise God. You promise me. You promised your mate. You promised everybody in the whole place. You made those vows. Line's still there. Well, in my mind, there wasn't no line there. That shows your character. Amen. Well, it's the 20th century. Really? No, it's the 21st. Line's still there. Amen. Misplaced devotions. Got a bunch of that in our church, don't we? Misplaced emotions in our church. Lastly, misplaced allegiance. First Corinthians 7 verse 30 and 31 says, if you're not careful, the things you buy will become your master. Things you buy will become your master. Keys. We keep locked up all that junk. It's going to rot, rust, and wrinkle. You know that stuff you and your husband argue about? Got to keep it locked up so somebody won't steal it. That which caused the arguments last week, if you're not careful, 
that which you have the power to buy will become your master. Amen. Right, preacher. Is that not true? Yes, sir. Very true. Oh, how we need to be careful. Yes. We live in a world where we try to emphasize the spiritual and material. We, 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 we live and we attempt to maximize both worlds. When Jesus said, you can't serve both worlds. Jesus says you cannot maximize God and mammon at the same time. It's okay to have things, but you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is a sorry master and taskmaster. Oh, Matthew 6, materialism always results in fear and not faith. You know, well, I got these keys. I'm scared to death. Somebody's going to steal my stuff. Yeah. There's a key to my dog box. I don't want nobody stealing my dog. Key to my office. Don't want nobody stealing my heater. Because there's only one heater in the place and it's mine. Got my heater protected. Mm. That fits a combination lock. That I don't know how to use it, but I got a key. What have you got that you paid for that's now calling these shots in your life? You can't maximize both worlds. Jesus said you'll love the one, you'll hate the other. You'll cling to one, you'll flee from the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I know in a church this size, we probably have some folks that's our, that is beginning to misplace some emotions, misplace some devotion, and misplace some allegiance. Materialism majors on treasures and not on people being saved always. Materialism majors results in spiritual darkness always. Jesus said the light of the body is the eye. If thine eye be single, thy whole body is full of light. But if your eye be evil and divided, the whole body is full of darkness. The best way to get backslid and completely out of the will of God is begin to worship mammon. And begin to worship materialism. Materialism will not only do that, it will control your heart because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Materialism produces worry. Does it not? Some of you don't produce any worry because you don't intend to have anything. You got to work to have things. Some of you just break out in the whelks when you think about work. It's a bad word. Job. J-O-B. Terrible job. You've got a book by the name of that. The book of Job. Amen. But materialism is a sorry, sorry God. It never pays off. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 will help us in closing. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all those things shall be added unto you. I just believe with all my heart this kind of Christianity that everybody's trying to embrace is not going to please God. Do you have a Christianity to live by? Well, what you really need is a Christianity to die by. And if what you've got right now Ain't going to work when you're dying. Let me invite you this morning to come to Christ. Because he will give you peace, eternal life, and add all these things to you. 
So when I start talking about money, don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to sever that relationship. It's going to be severed by death one day anyhow. You know, I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul trailer tied behind it. Have you? I ain't got any junk I'd like to take to heaven anyhow. I'm trading all this junk in for glory. Can you say amen? Hey, man, asphalt for streets of pure gold. Uh, Brushy knob for Hallelujah Boulevard. Yeah. Man, we got it made, have we not? Amen. Be careful now. Those seducing spirits. They're going to try to lead you astray. Off the main way. That's why God's got me here. Kind of reminds you every once in a while, amen. whoa, we're going the wrong direction. Amen. Can anybody say amen? amen? So, don't forget, I'll bet you, if I was the devil, i tell you what I'd try to change first in this place, the music. Yeah. <laughs> then I'd change the motives. Yeah. Then I'd change the methods. Yeah. Then I'd change the message. You're going to change the message right up front. No, sir. The devil knows we ain't going to change this message right up front. But if he can just get the music and get the motives and get the methods, and then he's got the message. Please beware of comfortable Christianity. 